Over the past few weeks, we have been going through a sermon series called Rhythms of Rest. And we've been looking at different rhythms or spiritual practices that can lead to rest in our lives, um, especially in the midst of a world that is often pushing us toward uh, noise, it's full of noise and busyness and distraction and exhaustion. And so we started uh, with the rhythm of silence and stillness, of literally spending time being silent and still before God. And then we looked at the rhythm of solitude, of, of getting away to spend time alone with God. And we saw that even in Jesus' own life, that he needed to do that with his Father to get away in solitude. And then we looked at the rhythm of Sabbath, which is the rhythm of resting from work for one full day every week, uh, taking a, a whole day to delight in God and to rest in his presence. And then last week, we looked at the rhythm of prayer, of, of communicating with God. And we talked last week about how, how true prayer that Jesus talks about is about resting in God's attention and approval that we don't have to try to earn that from him or, or do it for other people, but he, we rest in his attention and his approval in prayer, and that we can also rest in God's provision for us as we come to him in prayer. Well, today we're going to be uh, looking at another rhythm. Uh, today, the, it's, it's the rhythm of reading and meditating on scripture. So we're back to an S, a word that starts with S. We, we skipped one last week, but we're back to, to an, an S word, Scripture. Um, and Scripture, as most of us know, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about God's Word. And, and this rhythm, it actually provides a foundation for all of the previous rhythms that we've been talking about. Because where do we learn about the importance of being silent or, or solitude or Sabbath or prayer? It's in Scripture. It's in God's Word. That's what we've been doing each week, is looking at, at Scripture to see the invitation into these rhythms. And without Scripture, all of these other rhythms that we've been talking about would really just sort of become self-help spiritual exercises. You know, anybody can be silent, but it is Scripture that points us to being silent before God being still in his presence, solitude, not just being alone, but, but being alone in God's presence. And so, so, so this rhythm that we're talking about today of scripture is so central because if we're not spending time in scripture, we can easily become disconnected, even in these other practices, from the true God, the God who reveals himself to us in his word, in scripture. So today we're going to look at what, is it, what does it mean to incorporate Scripture as a rhythm in our lives? And once again, how does the, this rhythm of Scripture, how does it lead to rest? How does it lead to rest for our souls? Uh, the text I'm going to be focusing on today is Psalm 1, the very first psalm. Um, and we're going to be reading through Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6, that, that I, I hope will open up this idea of what it looks like to be resting and, and this rhythm of scripture of God's word to us. So hear these words from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day 
and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Lord, speak to us through your word that we've just heard, that that we would understand it more fully the value of your word to us today and how it leads us into rest. Speak, Holy Spirit. Now give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we look at at how uh, Scripture can function as a rhythm of rest in our lives, I want to start by looking at a couple of barriers to reading Scripture. What can sometimes get in the way of having scripture reading as a rhythm in our lives? What can be an obstacle or a barrier to that? Well, I think the first barrier that I want to highlight for us today is viewing scripture primarily as a book of information. That the way we look at scripture can actually sometimes become a barrier. That if we think of scripture primarily as just a book of information, it can get in the way of it being a rhythm. Let me explain a little bit why that is. If, you, if someone asked you what the Bible is, you know, explain, what, what, how would you kind of sum up what the Bible is? If, if someone just you know, asked you that question out of the blue, how would you answer that question? Think about that for a second. How would you answer that? How would you describe what the Bible is at its heart? Well, one of the descriptions that, I, that I've come across at, at various points along the way that sometimes people use is to describe the Bible as God's instruction manual for life. That, that it's, it's sort of a, a book of good information that, that helps us live our life. You know, it's, a good inst- it's an instruction manual, helps you live your best life now. But let me, let me maybe challenge that understanding of the Bible at its heart a little bit for you today. Because I want to ask you, how do you normally read an instruction manual? I don't know about you, but I don't think I have ever read through an instruction manual from cover to cover. <laughs> you know? I mean, I I've maybe will glance at an instruction manual. Usually, I'll just toss it in a folder, you know, in, in, in a drawer. Um, an instruction manual, I certainly do not read an instruction manual over and over again, like every day. You know, I'm not going to read an instruction manual that way. You know, I have a folder in my house that where I have instruction manuals, and if I run into a problem with an appliance, you know, then I might, I might pull out the instruction manual to take a look at it. I have an instruction manual in my car, in the glove compartment. If I run into a problem, I might go to it. But other than that, it's going to kind of just sit there. If we view scripture as an instruction manual, primarily, right, that it's in this instruction manual that guess how often we're probably going to read it? Maybe if I run into a problem that I can't solve on my own, right? Like the car's having some trouble, okay, I'll look at the instruction manual. Maybe if I run into a problem in my life, all right, I guess I'll look at the Bible to maybe help me out with what's going on here. We're probably going to only read parts of the Bible that we think are relevant. 
which we also do with an instruction manual, right? I'll look at this page, but then I'm going to glance over these other ones because that's not really that important. We are only going to read the parts of the Bible that we, well, that, that seems relevant to me, so I'll read that part. And there's a good chance that we might just take our Bibles and put it in a drawer or put it on the shelf and leave it there until we need to reference it. Now, other people, I think, sometimes can view the, the Bible a little bit differently as a textbook. So, so we look at the Bible as it's a book that gives us doctrines to believe it gives us um, ethical behaviors to adopt. It gives us historical facts to memorize. But again, the, the, the primary view is thinking of the Bible as a book of information. But let me ask you again, how often do you read a textbook? Do you ever read a textbook from cover to cover? Do you read a textbook over and over again, just, just longing to, to read that math textbook? No, right? We don't. We don't. Think of textbooks that way. Usually, if, if you're anything like me, when I was a student, I would skim the textbook for information that I felt like was really relevant, that maybe we needed, I needed an answer to a question that I was assigned. I would never read a textbook from cover to cover. I would think of it as a reference, right? It's a resource that I can go to when I need it. And how often do we sometimes view the Bible just like that? It's a reference. It's a resource. If I'm running into something, if I need an answer to a question, I'll go to the Bible. But other than that, you know, it kind of just sits over there. This view of the Bible, when we think of the Bible primarily as a book of information, as a handbook, as a textbook, it makes it very difficult to see reading Scripture as a rhythm of rest. Because you don't read a a man, an instruction manual or a textbook regularly as a way to experience rest in your life, do you? If you see the book, the, the Bible is primarily a book of information, it makes it hard to read regularly. You know, if, if, you, if I told you every morning, pull out that handbook, that instruction manual, and read, read through a, a few sections of it every morning, or make sure before you go to bed, take out your math textbook and make sure you read a couple chapters who, who among us would ever want to do that, right? If we see the Bible primarily as a book of information, the stuff that's there, questions we can ask, we're not going to have a longing to read it regularly, every morning, every night. We're not going to see it as a rhythm of rest in our lives. I think that this can sometimes be a barrier to reading scripture in our lives when we think of the Bible primarily as a book of information. We're going to get to what I think might be an alternate way of thinking of the Bible in just a minute. But I want to look at another barrier that can also, I think, prevent us sometimes from regularly reading scripture, which is that we fill our minds with other voices and other sources, filling our minds with other vo voices and other sources. We've been talking about this a lot in the last few weeks, that, that we live in this culture where we are bombarded by information, you know, whether that is cable news or email or Facebook or Twitter, Instagram for younger people, Snapchat, TikTok. Um, Netflix, right? There's all kinds of things that are just bombarding us with information. 
And, and, this, and this endless stream of information and, and content that we can be constantly consuming just can sometimes overwhelm us because there's always another article to read, there's always another video to watch, and there's the endless scroll of your newsfeed that you can just keep going. And as I've talked about, this endless stream of information, it doesn't lead to rest for our souls. It, it leads to stress, anxiety, frustration, exhaustion. I mean, when you start, I, I don't know about you, especially now during election season, if I'm on my Facebook newsfeed, I, there's all kinds of stuff on there. That I'm, this is just overwhelming. This is exhausting to me. I just got to get away from this. And, and we can just get overwhelmed with this constant barrage of information. There's a recent documentary that came out that was released on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. And this documentary looks at how social media companies basically design their platforms to keep people addicted to them and to also to manipulate our behavior. That there are all kinds of things that they build into the way that social media works that, that makes us addicted to it. Um, the film actually interviews some people who actually designed and supervised these kind of systems from places like Facebook and Google and Twitter. And, and a lot of them, when, they, when you hear kind of they, they talk about how they, they intended this for good, but it's sort of, it's kind of taken on a life of its own, and it's become this thing that, that can be all-consuming and, and addicting. And, and the other thing about social media is that, that it rewards posts and articles and videos that are more extreme, more biased, and, and sometimes even ones that are completely false, because guess what? Those are the things that people click on. Those are the things that people share. Those are the, people, the things that people watch. And so built into this, this, this media, the social media, is it's reinforcing extreme views and even false ideas. And so what happens is when we begin filling our minds with all of this stuff, we don't know what to believe. We're addicted to continually coming back to these, these very voices and sources that, that lead to anxiety, that lead to exhaustion. And so as good as your intentions may be, it can be really hard to sit down and read your Bible regularly when you have your phone continually beeping on you and notifications are going off. And, and, and it seems a lot more interesting to read the latest celebrity gossip or, or to read another one of those political articles that's going to back up your own ideas or, or watch another YouTube video or, or binge watch a show that you haven't seen before. It is so easy to fill our minds with these other voices, these other sources apart from Scripture. So how do we break free from these barriers? How could Scripture break into the midst of this and become a rhythm in our lives, a rhythm of rest that would draw us away from these other voices and sources and that would, be, it would draw us to the Word of God? Well, let's take a look now at how to embrace Scripture as a rhythm of rest. How do we do this? How do, how, do we, how do we allow Scripture to become this rhythm in our lives that will give us rest? Well, the first thing, in contrast to that barrier of viewing the Bible primarily as a book of information, is that we can view Scripture as a love letter from God. To view Scripture as a love letter 
from God. Instead of seeing Scripture as, as just this book of information that we can go to when we need an answer um, or when we're having a problem, what if we saw Scripture, God's Word, as relational communication? That it is, it is communication directly from a person. It's from God himself. It's, it's a love letter from him to us. Because that is what it is at its heart. Yes, there is a lot of information in it. And we do look to scripture for what to believe and how we should live. Right? I'm not saying that those things are not true of scripture. But at its heart, the Bible is a story. It's a true story, the true story of a God who created humanity out of love, but, out of, but, but humanity that, that rejected this God and, and decided to go our own way. But God's persistent chasing after humanity to rescue us, to save us, to bring us back to himself, it is a love story. A story of our creator who went, who moved heaven and earth, who, who, who did everything, anything that was possible to get to us. He, he became one of us and died himself in order to rescue us back to himself. The Bible is a love letter from God that describes who he is, what he's done for us, how he feels about us, and what he's wanting to invite us into. And once we grasp that, once we see that that is what the scripture really is at its heart, it is God's word to us about his love for us, it changes how we read the Bible. Let me give you an example of this. Before, um, when, before Rochelle and I, uh, my wife and I, started dating, we were living on different coasts. I was living in New Jersey, she was living in California. And, uh, and so we began to write emails to each other. And whenever I got an email from Rochelle, I stopped everything. I sat down, you know, that I had the butterflies in my stomach as I saw her, her name come up in my email inbox, and I, I put it aside everything else. I opened up the email, and I read it slowly. And I, I poured over every word, every phrase, I read it multiple times, over and over again, trying to see, you know, is there, is there something in here? And, and, and I just, I loved reading her emails. Maybe some of you can remember, you know, letters, again, maybe before the age of email. Uh, or maybe you have, maybe it's, maybe it's Facebook messages for some of you young. I don't know. But, but, uh, but there was something about the fact that it was coming from this girl who I was just head over heels for, that made me want to just stop everything and read it, and read it over and over again. And it made me so excited to want to send an email back to her. You know, I, I wanted to communicate with her. What if we saw scripture like that? What if we saw the Bible like that? That, that it is this message from the God who loves us. And when we see it, when we read it, we are just overwhelmed by saying, my goodness, the God of the universe is sending me this message. I want to read it. I want to pour over every word. I want, I want to read it over and over again because this is the God who loves me 
And he's giving me this gift of this love letter to me. That is the picture that we get in the passage that I read just earlier from Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, verse 2, we are told this, that blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That phrase, law of the Lord, in the Old Testament refers usually more broadly to, to all of Scripture. It's kind of a, 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 you know, a handy um, phrase that kind of is not just talking about just laws, but it's talking about all of Scripture, the law of the Lord, God's Word. And, and, and the psalmist says that, that, it's, that we're blessed when we delight in God's law, when we delight in His Word. Right? Not just, well, i got to read it. But we, we're delighting in it. We're excited to read it. We have joy when we think about reading it. And, and this delight leads us to meditate on it day and night. To be thinking about it. Pouring over it. Meditating on it. Kind of like how I was pouring over those emails from, from Rochelle. In the book Sacred Rhythms... Author Ruth Haley Barton uses this metaphor of a love letter to talk about a different way of reading scripture. And this is what she says. She says, when we engage the scriptures for spiritual transformation, we make it our top priority to listen to God relationally rather than seeking only to learn more about God cognitively. Our approach is driven by the longing of a lover. We read slowly so that we can savor each word and let its meaning sink in rather than rushing on to the next chapter so we can complete a reading or study assignment. We stay in the place where God is speaking to us, contemplating its meaning for our life and for our relationship. We receive it as it is given without judgment wanting only to hear the heart of this one we love. When we begin to see Scripture as this love letter that God has written for us, that it is this word that he wants to, to communicate to us, we are no longer going to see reading our Bibles as an obligation, as this thing that we just have to get through, but we begin to see it as a delight. And as, the, as, as Psalm 1 goes on to say, when that happens, verse 3 says... That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Don't you just love that picture? Isn't that just a picture of rest, of refreshment, of a tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit, its leaf doesn't wither? You want your life to look like that? Spend time in God's word. Rest in God's word as he nourishes us through this, this, this gift of scripture. And this also points to the second aspect of how to embrace scripture as a rhythm of rest. We talked about the barrier about, of, of, of that we can fill our minds with all these other sources and, and, and voices, right? And so how can we embrace scripture as a rhythm of rest? It's when we recognize that scripture provides a unique foundation. That scripture is totally different from these other sources, from these other voices that we are bombarded with. Think about this. 
Social media, cable news, YouTube videos. What is it really at its heart? It is people providing their opinions and their commentary, which is fallible, which is limited, which is usually biased, and which sometimes is completely false. You compare that with the Bible, which is true, perfect, unchangeable, God's word. What do you want to spend your time filling your mind with? This person's opinion over here or the unchangeable, trustworthy word of God? Think about this. That video, that tweet, that article, even that book, is anybody going to read that or remember that a few days from now, a few weeks from now, a couple years from now? What about a hundred years from now? You think that anybody is going to remember that tweet a hundred years from now? Whereas the Bible has been around for 2,000 years, and the Old Testament even longer than that. It provides a unique foundation. It is unlike anything else that we are tempted to fill our minds with. It reminds me of verse 4 in, in Psalm 1 that talks about the wicked. It says they are like chaff that the wind blows away. All that stuff that we fill our minds with so often, it's like chaff that the wind is just going to blow away. It's, it's, it's worthless in the long term when we compare it to the, 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 the perfect and lasting value of God's word. One of the things that can be so exhausting about those other voices and sources is that there's always something more to watch or to listen to or to read. You never can keep up with it at all, right? There's always another article. There's always another video. There's always another thing that you could be watching. And, and sometimes you feel like you're getting behind and trying to keep up with all of this. Guess what? The Bible, there's nothing that's going to be added to this. Here it is. It's right here. It's yours. It's mine. We don't have to keep up with, with something at, being added to it continually. God has given it to us completely. It's fulfilled. It's, com it's complete. Another amazing thing about the Bible is that its central message is simple enough for a child to understand, but yet there's also so much depth in it that you could spend your entire life studying it and meditating on it, and you would never plumb all of its depths. It is simple enough for a child to understand, but deep enough that you're studying it for your, your whole life. Scripture provides a unique foundation, unlike these other voices, unlike these other sources that we're so tempted to fill our minds with. And that uniqueness, and the things I've been talking about, about Scripture, it means that Scripture, we can rest in its sufficiency, that it is enough. Now, I'm not saying that, that we shouldn't watch or listen to or read anything except the Bible. The theologian Karl Barth said that we should have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other hand. That we should know what's happening in our world. We should understand the things that are driving right, our, our culture. We need to be able to speak into our culture, so we need to understand it. 
But when you think about those two sources, where should we be spending most of our time? In God's word. What usually happens in our lives is completely reversed. We spend way more time in the newspaper and in hearing our culture and not hearing God's voice. This past week, I was watching a sermon from Pastor Rich Velotis from New Life Fellowship Church in Queens. And he was preaching a sermon that is a, a, a risky sermon to preach right now about how Christians should engage in politics in a faithful way. But he hit it right on the money because one of the things he talked about in the sermon is that as we're thinking about how we enter into this political season, he says, we as Christians should be spending more time listening to Jesus' voice than the prevailing cultural voices. And he, and he, asked, he went on to ask the question, how many Christians know the talking points of their political party better than they know the Sermon on the Mount? Could you, could you, could you re- recite the Sermon on the Mount as well as you might be able to recite your political views? We, know, we should know the scriptures way better than our political talking points, way better than the lyrics on the, on, the, on the popular new song, way better than the characters on the TV show that you're spending so many hours watching, way more than sports statistics that we fill our minds with, or whatever other information that we, we spend so much time with. Scripture provides a unique foundation, and that foundation leads to rest. Because when we read and study and meditate on Scripture regularly so that we really know it, then we don't get tossed around by every opinion, by every conspiracy theory. Right? When we are centered in Scripture, when we're centered in God's Word, then when these other voices come at us, we can know how to filter them. We can know what to listen to and what is just chaff that we're going to let go. And when we do that, we become like that tree planted by streams of water yielding fruit in its season. As we close, I want to just, um, as we've been doing each week, I want to give us something really practical to think about as we think about how do we actually practice this rhythm of rest, of scripture reading. So let's look at how to practice scripture as a rhythm of rest. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. There's a lot of you know, different ways that, that, that we can read scripture, that we can kind of develop a rhythm in our lives for reading scripture. But I want to give you one example, one sort of um, potential helpful way of reading scripture. It's not the only way to read scripture. But what it, it has been for my life, it has been a, a way of reading scripture that has helped me read it like a love letter, like God's word to me, not just the thing that I have to just get through, but, but to actually meditate on it and sit with it. And so the practice that I want to just briefly introduce to us and just kind of as, as we close is a practice that's called Lectio Divina, which is Latin for divine, divina, or sacred reading, lectio. And lectio divina is an ancient practice that that Christians have been using for for a long time. And what it does is it helps us slow down, to read scripture slowly and to meditate on it while listening for God's voice rather than just reading through it quickly to get on to the next thing or just reading it cognitively, like information, 
that we're just trying to understand. So here, let me, let me explain what Lectio Divina is. The first thing is you, you choose a passage of scripture and you choose something that's small, six to eight verses. Don't try to read an entire chapter or a couple chapters. Just take a small little chunk, six to eight verses. And what you're going to do is you're going to read that passage four different times. Over and over, four different times. But as you do, each time you read it, you're focusing on something different. It helps you to, to read it slowly and to meditate on it. So there's four moves in Lectio Divina. The, and, and each one is kind of characterized by a word. They all start with R to help you remember. All right. So the first move is read. You just read through the passage. But as you're reading, what you're doing is you're listening for a, a, maybe a word or a phrase that kind of jumps out at you as you're reading through it. And you're trusting and, and, you're, and you're starting with this attitude of, God, I'm coming to your word and, you, and I'm asking you to speak into my life. You know, not just to understand, but, but to actually for your voice to hit me. And so I would encourage you, even before you read, to start with silence, start with quieting yourself, silent before God. You read through it, you're, you're listening for a word or a phrase that strikes you. And as, as that word maybe jumps out at you, as you're hearing that, 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 that word, just hold on to it for a moment and pause for a little bit of silence. And then you read it a second time. And in the second move, the second reading, the focus is reflect. So you read the passage a second time, and this time you're reflecting on what is it about that word or that phrase that's hitting me right now? You know, what, what, what is it? Why, why did that word jump out at me? And you reflect on that. You ask that. You know, God, is there something in this word that you're, that you're wanting to speak to me? What in my life needs to hear this word today? And so you, you read it that second time, reflecting you know, maybe another way to think about this is, where do you see yourself in that passage? Is there a way that you identify with someone in it? You're reflecting on it. The third time you read it, the focus is respond. So the third time you're reading it, you're thinking about, how is God now calling me to respond to this passage? What response is he calling out of me? Is there an invitation, something he's inviting me to? Is there a challenge that he's challenging me here? Is maybe he calling me the way he's wanting me to respond to this is responding in confession, to confess sin, to repent of something. Maybe he's calling me to, to actually step out in faith and do something. He's challenging me to act in response to this passage. Maybe my response is just to respond in worship and praise. But as you read that, that third time, then I would encourage you after that third time to actually spend some time responding to God in prayer. So you respond to God. You pray. You, you pray your confession. You pray your praise. You, you, you ask God for courage to, to respond to as he's calling you to. And then the fourth and final time you read the passage, the focus here is rest. So you read it the fourth time, and you're not analyzing you're not questioning. You just read it and you rest in it. You just let the passage wash over you. And you're just grateful. God, thank you for giving me your word. Thank you for giving me this, this phrase. Thank you for 
for speaking to me. And you rest in him, and you spend some time after you finish reading just in silence and meditating on where's God bringing you next. I've been doing this, this practice of Lectio Divina um, at various points in my life over the last several years. And, and it has been, it's been one of the ways that I, almost every time I do it, I'm always amazed at just the way that God uses it to speak to me, the way that he brings out a word that, that just hits me and, and gives me something to meditate on and sometimes gives me a real sense of this is where God's calling me to respond to this. In the scripture reading that Eddie read earlier from Isaiah 55, we are reminded that God's word, when he speaks it, it won't return empty. It's not going to return void, but it's going to accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. So as you enter into reading God's word, enter into it with that assurance and confidence that that God, when when you read his word, he's going to accomplish something in your life through it. It's not going to return empty. And so enter into it with an expectation of hearing from what God is going to do. And so I want to challenge you this week to just try out this, this Lectio Divina practice. Maybe take, you know, one day or two days, take 15 minutes, set it aside, and just give it a shot. Read through a passage four times, trying each of those words. Maybe, maybe it won't connect with you, and that's okay. There's other ways of reading scripture too. But I want to encourage you to try it out. See, see if there might be something in this that might bring you into seeing scripture not just as a book of information, but as a love letter from God that we can meditate on and pour over so that we will become like that tree planted by streams of water, yielding its fruit, and we will rest in God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that is living and active. Your word that is not just a book of information that we go to, but it is, it is your means of communicating to us. It is your way of reaching us, of speaking to us, of your love. And so, Lord, help us to, in the midst of a world that is constantly wanting us to listen to their voices, to their words, that we would carve out time to hear the only word and voice that really matters. It is your voice, it is your word, that we would sit with it, to dwell with it, to delight in it, to rest in it, and that it would change us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.